Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Trina. Thanks so much for listening. Great show today. Dan Patrick is on the pod. Great conversation about interviewing and how to handle guests and career in sports media. Um, he has a new pod coming out. So much uh, was covered with Dan. He really got into his um, illness that he revealed in 2019. Appreciate him being open about that. So just a really fascinating conversation with Dan Patrick on this episode. If you missed last week, great, great appearance by Kevin Harlan from CBS and TNT Sports. Uh, two weeks ago, Andrew Marshan came on to talk about NFL and college football sports media news. Three weeks ago, Brian Baumgartner from The Office, Renee Young from WWE. So check those out if you missed any of those. And please, if you are not a subscriber, hit the subscribe button for the SI Media Podcast. It helps tremendously, and I will appreciate it. All right, let's get right now to Dan Patrick for a very, very good conversation. All right, joining me now, one of the legendary broadcasters in sports media, been around for a while, done a variety of things, launching a new podcast exclusively on Amazon Music called That Scene with Dan Patrick. He is Dan Patrick. Dan, how's it going? It's good. It's good. Everything's, uh, everything's all right, Jimmy. Thank you. Glad, glad to hear that. Uh, before we get into several things I'd like to discuss with you, your new podcast and, and some other things, uh, you know, I, I can't not start by talking about Andrew Perloff because we worked together at SI for many years. He's one of my favorite co-workers. And... Uh, just an all-around good guy, but I know you guys give him a nice hard time on the show and stuff, but um, I had to give Andrew a shout-out to start the pod because he is a character. I want to know, you know, 
I, I, what you guys do on the air is one thing. And then there's Andrew off the air, which I sort of got in the SI office. If people think the hot takes Andrew throws out on the air are bad, are bad you have no idea what he says <laughs> off the air when it comes to hot takes. Well, and when I first saw that uh, he worked for Sports Illustrated and he was going to come up and monitor the show, he was going to blog about the show. Right. And I told my guys, I said, there's this guy who looks like he could be related to uh, McLovin from Superbad and he's going to be coming up. And he came up and he just kind of hung out with us. Then he never left. And then I just absorbed McLovin and he just became part of the show. And he's such a great addition because that's great. You have unique personalities and he, and he fit right in as the nerdy Ivy league guy who has some crazy hot takes. Yeah. It's funny because I get asked a lot and I'm sure you don't go one day without getting asked, you know, how can you get in this business? How can you get in this business? And here's a story of a guy who just basically sat in the chair at the Dan Patrick show, never left. And now, all these years later, it's been a long time. There he is. Yeah, a lot of it is luck. And I, I have a broadcasting school, Full Sail, Full Sail yeah. University. And I, I tell my students, you know, you've got to be prepared when you get your chance. Because when you get that chance, you may only get one chance. And you've got to yeah. be ready to go. And McLovin was ready to go at that time in his career. And he's a very bright guy and uh, has a great personality. And he also knows how to play a role on TV. And, you know, like he's a character. Yeah. He would be our Kramer from uh, Seinfeld. <laughs> That's great. I'll, I'll, I'll just say one thing about Andrew. This is how much I used to love having him in the office for the hot takes. Um, he once, I've told the story before, he once tried to argue that LaDainian Tomlinson wasn't that good of a running back because, and I quote, and I quote, he just runs seven yards and falls down, end quote. Mm. <laughs> I, I can't even, I, I won't even acknowledge it because I, like, those are kind of things that I hear that don't make air using right. with McLevin. Right. So what you heard is what I hear just about yeah. every other day. Um, before we get into some, some sports stuff here, how are you, you know, you, you, real, you in, in May of 2019, you told the world that you were suffering from this illness polymyalgia. How are you doing with it? It was, you know, I always thought it was interesting. It's sort of in this day and age of social media and the internet where things get so blown up, I, I felt like you revealed it and it kind of went away. And I don't know if that was your doing, if you intentionally wanted it that way, but we don't hear much about it. Just want to see how you're doing and everything. And if, if COVID at all affected you, you know, if you have to be extra careful over these last six months of insanity. Well, I do have to be extra careful because I have a, a compromised immune system, mm -hmm. but I said it at the time because I was making mistakes on the air. And I was, you know, going through some treatments and I, I just, I was forgetting things. Mm. And I, maybe it wasn't evident to the audience, but it was to me. And I just said, look, you know, we're in it together. There's reciprocation with this relationship. And I just said, look, this is what I've been going through. Because there were days where I, I just, I couldn't tie my shoes. Like I had a hard time just walking. Yeah. And then I luckily found a doctor who said, do you want to try something different? And I said, absolutely. And so I'd go in once a month, hospital for special surgery in New York. They'd hook me up to an IV and pump some drugs into me and it reduced the inflammation greatly. But I, I just, you know, I, I, it, there was also depression that was in there. Like there mm -hmm. was, there was a Molotov cocktail in there, Jimmy, where I, I didn't know where I was going. Like mm -hmm. I, if this was going to be the rest of my life, then I, I was in trouble and I just wanted to let people know it, it, it can hit anybody. 
depression could hit anybody. It doesn't yeah. matter who you are. And, mm-hmm. and my wife said, even if one person is affected by this, then you've done the right thing. And I, you know, I never looked back on it. I didn't go, boy, I want this to be bigger because I, I didn't want it to be bigger. I just wanted to say to my audience, this is what I'm going through. Right. I didn't want to be the patron saint for autoimmune or any of that. Uh, but I'm probably, you know, 75% pain-free. Okay. So what I have is what I'm going to probably have the rest of my life. So it's manageable but, and tolerable for you at oh, this point? If this is what I had initially, yeah. then it would have been different. I would have thought, boy, this, this isn't good. What I had before to what I have now, there's no comparison. So well, I'm just what was that like getting out of bed each morning to do the show when you not only have this pain, but then the depression? I mean, it, it you know, fortunately... I think, you know, mental health discussions have become pretty prominent with, within the sports industry. Uh, yeah. People aren't, you know, you see athletes do it. Kevin Love has done a tremendous job with it. I've said things on, you know, social media about I go through stuff with anxiety and things like that. And, you know, I, I got to wake up every day and write a column, whether you have it or not. And you're doing a radio show, you know, and no one wants to hear us complain, but and it's not complain, but how did you get through those days where you just did not, there are days where you just don't want to talk about sports. You know, you realize like, what am I doing here? How did you get through it? Were there any tricks, tips, techniques? No, I was lucky. I had this as an outlet and I had the Danettes there and it, it took my mind off of it. It was difficult to get to work. Once I got to work, it was great. Okay. And then I would leave and then I would go home. But you know, I, I would wake up every single morning. So I went through this uh, treatment, uh, this light chemo, where they said, you won't know for four months if it works. So every single day for four months, I'd take one step out of bed and I would know if it was there or not. So imagine that every single day. Yeah. And, and my wife, God love her, she, every single day she would ask me how I feel. For seven years, she asked me how I felt. I went through it for seven years every single day. And I remember the morning where I stepped out of bed and I went, oh. And then I took another step. My wife goes, what? I said, I don't have that pain. And she goes, we'll take a couple more steps. <laughs> and so I took a couple more steps. I go, yeah, like I'm, I'm okay. And I don't feel horrible. Right. And then like the next night, I, I think I went to bed at like eight o'clock because I couldn't wait to go to bed to wake up the next right, morning. Right. And then yeah. I got out of bed and I went, I, I'm okay. Like I, this is all tolerable. Yeah. Uh, and I, I never wanted to take, I mean, I was already taking stuff. They were putting in my veins, but I didn't want to take aspirin. I didn't want to take anything, any heavy, uh, you know, Tylenol, any of that stuff. So I just sort of was running through it as best I could. And then there was light at the end of the tunnel. And that's and, also another, you know, it's like the opposite of the depression. You get the, you get that good feeling, that good news and, that, yeah. and your brain and your body, your brain has to sort of adjust to that. Then it, everything is sort of a, you know, an adjustment, even the good stuff when that happens. Yeah. And, and you would have, you know, I'd have these moments because I, and you don't know you're having these moments. And, and Kevin Love doesn't know this, but he, he really helped me because I, once you expose yourself like that, I mean, that's as much as I've ever revealed. And, and I, I don't want to go out of my way to reveal stuff. Um, I don't want to be sensationalistic, but I kept thinking he did that. 
And he had anxiety in an NBA finals. And he talked about that. He talked about leaving the floor. And I went, gosh. And I thought, you know, I'm no better than him. Like I, there's nothing wrong with saying this. Right. And, and it almost helped me. Let, I think it let the audience come in a little closer just to say, you know, I couldn't remember Albert Pujols' name to save my life. I got into my car one day and forgot how to turn it on. I didn't, I didn't know how to turn it on. I went to the grocery store one night and I forgot why I was there. I called home and my, I, I said, what am I here for? And she goes, salad dressing. And I go, okay. And, but I didn't know. I'd right. go to the basement to get something. I'd forget why I went to the basement. I'd say, why am I down here? And then my wife would say, you know, to get It's amazing this. you were able to do this. I mean, did you even miss a show? I don't think so. But Paulie, my producer, knew he had to help fill in some blanks here for me because I would just have these momentarily lapses where I, I couldn't focus. I, mm. I just, I, and he would, he would say something in my headphones. And it'd be like, you know, in Michigan State with, and he'd go, Tom Izzo. And then i go, Tom, like I forgot Tom Izzo's name one day. Right. But Paulie was so acutely aware of what I was going through. And without, like he was Belichick mm -hmm. to my Brady yeah. for the lack of a better, you know, analogy. But he just helped me through it, understanding what I was thinking, even though he wasn't quite sure what I was thinking, but he was helping fill in some gray area. Yeah, I, I can't imagine doing a, a talk show like and that. It's three hours and you can't, yeah. I couldn't hide. And now yeah. it's on TV. You can't hide on right. radio. It's one thing on TV. People are watching going, uh, he, yeah. he forgot. He doesn't know Albert Pujols, his name. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I don't, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're doing much better. And, oh, thank um, you. you know, it's, it's one of the things, uh, you know, I, I tell Perloff this all the time. You guys get great guests on your show. Um, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, I'm in New York. So like WFN was life here. And, you know, I, I was never a huge national show, but your guest list is so impressive. Every show, it seems like yeah. now you're branching out with this other podcast. Um, that scene with Dan Patrick, where you're interviewing, I think it's a great concept for, you know, everyone has a podcast and so it's like, now, how do you stand out? Yeah. I think this one will definitely stand out because you're interviewing uh, celebrities about their iconic scenes. Uh, you have Adam Sandler on the first episode, Will Ferrell, David Spade. Um, what, do you get tired of interviewing sports people and that's why you wanted to do this? Or is it just you enjoy this as much as sports and you wanted to try something with non-sports people? Well, I have so many other interests and just the fact I've gotten to know Adam Sandler, I've been in, I think, 17 of his movies now, and he just seemed like the right guest to start. And we, we just wanted to do the fight scene with Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore and just focus the entire episode on just that. What went into it? Who else did they consider? Um, you know, Sandler recalling things. Uh, Brian Cranston, the final scene of Breaking Bad, he breaks that down in you know great detail. Will Ferrell streaking in old school. What went into that? Well, that's great. Um, you know, Ralphie from A Christmas Story, where he's going to shoot his eye out. And I just started <laughs> calling friends, mm -hmm. and I just thought, you know what? I don't know if anybody's interested in this, but I'm going to do these interviews. And then all of a sudden, uh, IMDb heard about it, and they were like, "Hey, we want to we want to be in business with you." And I'm like, "Oh, cool." And they go, let's do 20 episodes. And uh, I already have 10 of them that I've, I've done. So halfway there for the first season. And 
I, you know, I've always enjoyed something like that because we all sit around and go, remember that scene? And right. that's what this is about. It's just about, you remember, remember that scene? But so. that's what I, it's a great concept because you can probably do like a thousand of these episodes. I mean, yeah. you, you know, so many classic scenes. Um, you said you did 20. Like you, Adam Sandler's the first episode and it's the, uh, the, the scene with Bob Barker. So I think, right, you don't have to sell it any more than that. I think people listen right away. Give me one. Give me one you didn't. What would be number 21 for Dan Patrick? If you could pick it, book it, the guests would automatically say yes. What scene would you like to break down that you didn't get a chance to? Well, you know, we, we've done 10. I got to do 10 more. But if okay. you said like my ideal yeah. would be Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis with Thelma and Louise. Interesting. Like I, going over the cliff and Thelma and Louise, it, it, I just remember all the dialogue about that. Were they heroes? Were they not? And just what went into that. And, and they're on, that's on the short list. Um, I'm talking to Ryan Reynolds about Deadpool. Uh, because he's he's just very very funny, very bright, and uh, what that movie did, it kind of you know thumbed its nose to real superheroes. I I appreciate that, but uh, there's just there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk to Phoebe Cates with uh, you know the uh, the pool scene. I hope you saw Fast the uh, I hope you saw what happened over the weekend with the they did the table read I of saw Fast that. Times. Yeah. You saw Morgan Freeman narrating that yes. scene. It was one of the greatest <laughs> things you'll ever see. But I'd like to get Judge Reinhold, who's in the bathroom, and then Phoebe right. Cates getting out of the water in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So th there's so many of them oh, yeah. that um, you don't run out of them. And what's great is now that we're starting this, you'll get people who will say, hey, you should, you know, what about that scene? And that's what I want because yeah. they can be 20 minutes 15, 30 minutes. The most I went was like probably 30 minutes. Um, you just go until you're, you're done with that scene. Uh, you know, so it's not like I go, boy, I got to fill, you know, eight more minutes here. Right. It's just Brian Cranston went probably 50 minutes, maybe wow. longer on Breaking Bad. But it, he did it in such great detail. I also uh, interviewed uh, Maris Valenus who was Jimmy Chitwood in Hoosiers. Okay. And we talk about the last scene where, you know, what went into that. And then, you know, he shoots the game winning uh, hoop. That's and, great. Uh, you know, so it was just something that, you know, is unique and guys, you know, of course, remember that scene and, you know, that he's, he wants to, he says, I'll make it, you know, and uh, just what it was like with Gene Hackman, Dennis Hopper was on, you know, on the mm -hmm. set so that's what's fun. You just get them right. to kind of reminisce and, you know, they enjoy it too because they kind of reflect back on a great moment in their career. Yeah, it's a great guest list. Um, can I put in a request for one? Yeah. I don't think he does interviews though, but Pesci no. for the scene in Goodfellas with Billy Bats yeah. would be true. That whole scene would be great to hear Pesci uh, break. But I don't think he does interviews really. I don't, Gene Hackman doesn't. Like right. there's certain, you know, De Niro's, Probably not going to lower himself to do this or, <laughs> or Pacino. But yeah. if they do, then great. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you can't get the person, but you could get people involved in the scene. You can get a director, uh, producer. And, uh, you know, we had uh, Adam Sandler's producing friend, Tim Hurley, who came up with the Bob Barker scene in Happy Gilmore. He joined us as well. And we talked about that whole partnership of how you create a scene like that. What goes into it when you're writing the scene? How much is ad lib? Uh, you know, how much did Bob Barker, what role did he play? And I found out that Bob Barker had a lot more 
involvement than mm. I realized. So it was just fun. And who Sandler based the character off of, a real person that he based the character off of. So that, that's what was fun because everybody wants to hear. I was actually telling Brian Cranston things about the final scene that Brian Cranston didn't even know. Right, right. And, and he goes, yeah. where are you getting this? And I yeah, said, yeah. I did my research. Yeah. And he was, he was shocked at three things I said to him about the final scene that he did not know. Yeah, that's so. great. Um, you've done interviews for so many years now of your career. At this stage, do you prefer doing like the long form interview or the short interview that maybe you do on the radio show? It depends on how interesting somebody is, how right. long I go. Right. I don't go, that guy is not worthy of seven to 10 minutes. Because there are times you have somebody on and you go, wow, like this is, this is still moving. And you know, there's just something that goes off in my brain where I go, okay, we're done. Like, I, let's wind it down. And just the whole science, scientific approach to an interview is something I've always been fascinated with of how do I get from point A to point B to point Z and do that and, and be fair to the audience. Because people say, oh, yes, great questions. I go, well, they're not great questions if they're not great answers. So mm -hmm. if you say, boy, you get great answers, then it doesn't matter. We get caught up in how, how great was my question? Hey, that's a big windup in the pitch. Some of the best questions I've ever asked are why? Right. How? Right. Where? Because there, I don't want to answer the question for you. I want you to just tell me what's on your mind. And it's amazing what people will say if you don't give them a lot of time to reload. I just want your honest opinion. And when you get that, then you get a great interview. Because people will say, well, who are some of your favorite people to interview? And I always say somebody who is uh, honest. Mm -hmm. That's all. Right. If I ask you a question, you give me an right. answer, I love it. You know, I don't want you dancing, because these guys are interviewed more than any other people on the planet. Athletes are. Because it's after every game, before every game, it's after every practice. You know, coaches get, you can't find Brad Pitt and interview him every day, or Tom Cruise every day. These guys, LeBron, you can find him. He's there every day. Tom Brady, he's going to be there. Right. So they're used to getting these questions. Do you, do that's you think where it, you have to work hard. Do you think it's tougher to interview a guest who doesn't like to be interviewed and, and doesn't speak that much and maybe it isn't great with the answers or the person who's coming on just to plug something? Well, I know if you're coming on to plug something – then it's fair game with what I want to ask you. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, this is quid pro quo. Like you're coming on using the airtime, that means I get to fire back. Uh, so I'm, I'm comfortable with that. The person who's a little reticent, um, some trepidation, not always easy. Like I want you to, I want you to willingly want to come on mm -hmm. and talk. And if you don't, then I'd rather you didn't come on. And not, like Derek Jeter was never a great guest because Derek didn't really say anything, but he was so polite in not saying anything. <laughs> you'd always go, boy, that, I think it went pretty well. And then you realize right. he didn't really say anything, yeah. but he was very nice in not saying anything. Yeah. And a lot of these guys, you know, Tiger Woods is not a great interview. Mm -hmm. You know, he's very guarded and for a variety of reasons. So when we have them on, like I'm, I'm always, there's a little bit of trepidation because people have such great expectations. Like, oh, you're going to have Tiger on. And I was like, right. yeah, but I don't know what you're going to get. Uh, hey, you're going to have Derek Cheater. I don't know what you're going to get. 
And, you know, it's the other guys that you usually get something that's a little bit more forthcoming and revealing. Yeah. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans. The chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How do you handle, I, I don't, I mean, you probably, you might not have to deal with this that much anymore, but how do you handle it when you get a guest who you don't really want to talk to? <laughs> or does it, you know, or doesn't excite you or, you know, you, doesn't you know you think oh i don't know much about that part you know for like you know i'm not a nascar person just you know but i get pitched nascar people and i'm like i don't know how i would navigate that if i'm not a nascar person how do you handle that i'm looking for like advice here (laughs) well what is interesting to you if i have denny hamlin on and he's a great nascar driver what am i going to ask him that my national audience is going to care about because the nascar community is going to eat it up i mean they're 
like Dale Earnhardt Jr., one of my favorite interviews. Mm -hmm. Love having him on. We don't talk NASCAR. Right. Like it's, it's not centralized. It's more of Dale Jr., his father, uh, he, you know, just had a baby. Like it's, it's more of the person instead of, you know, the athlete. Yeah. And I feel and like you can get away with that though. Cause you're Dan Patrick. I don't know if yes. everyone can get away with that. No. And you're probably right. Like Denny Hamlin, I asked him about his relationship with Michael Jordan. Right. You know, it's not necessarily, and these guys get asked these questions and it's so in-house with questions and answers about NASCAR. I think it allows them to get out of that box. We put them in and, but I am fortunate because I have a, a track record that if it's PR people, it's the athlete themselves or the coach, you know, that we probably cross paths and, and they at least know what my resume is. I'm not a gotcha guy. Right. I, I'll ask a tough question, but I, I want to be fair to you. Um, and if you, like I had a, a, a bad moment with Kyler Murray at the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Okay. And he came in and he just didn't get good advice. And mm -hmm. he was there to promote Gatorade. And I said, all right, you're coming on. Now, I'd been told that he was not going to play baseball, that he had been told he'd be a top 10 pick in the NFL. So I was trying to let him show his personality and he clammed up and there was nothing I could do. I didn't want to embarrass him, but you get to the point where I, then I have to be selfish a little bit because now, you know, you're kind of making a mockery out of this uh -huh. and it was uncomfortably entertaining. Um, we had Matt Harvey on the former yeah. Mets pitcher. Everyone and he remembers that one. And he came on to say, you know, I said, I, I want to talk to you about, you know, your yeah. surgery. And he goes, no, well, I, I, I talked about that yesterday. I'm, I'm just here to honor Qualcomm. And I go, wait a minute. I don't think you understand what this is all about here. You get to talk about Qualcomm. I get right. to ask you questions. Right. And um, that one was uncomfortable. But, you know, you have a couple of those. I mean, I've done. But that was a good uncomfortable because everyone got a kick out of it. Oh, no. It's good, good for you, <laughs> yes. not for me, where yeah. I'm going, wait a minute. Like, I'm looking around going, am I being punked here? Right. And he I, had that, I had that with Gronk once. Gronk came on the podcast through Tide, and I ended up not running it because no matter what I asked him, he mentioned Tide. Yeah. Like, I would be like, well, what do you think about this week's game? Well, I'm going to wear my jersey that's going to be washed by Tide. So, you know. Well, they get bad advice because that I put on the PR people where you just say, look, they're going to ask you one or two questions about the product, but they're going to ask you probably 10 other questions. So you got to be ready. And I'll have people who get nervous and they'll, they'll try to take the product and insert it sooner than they need to. Cause they're, I'll go like six or seven questions and then they'll go. Um, yeah, but you know, the most, the most important thing going on in my life is, uh, you know, yeah. a Ford truck. Uh, and then you're going, okay, I got yeah. it. I'll get to it. Right. You know, right. I'm a professional. I'll get to you. Like I said, though, I think you can, you can get away with more than most. Um, you mentioned you always get asked who your favorite guest is. I'm more curious about who you haven't on, who you haven't had on the show, who you'd like to have on, who would you like to interview? Uh, Michael Jordan. So you've would, never interviewed him? Just after all those championships when mm -hmm. I was at ESPN. Yeah. And that's some of the best moments I've ever had. Do you think he's a good had. interview? You, yes, because he's competitive. Mm -hmm. Like you want a guy who's competitive because then you compete with him to get an answer from okay. him. Okay, And uh, so Jordan would be, and plus we have a history, you know, he'd always say to me, hey, I'm not going to come on after every win at the NBA Finals, but I'll come on after I win the championship. Not if I win the championship. I'll come on after I win the championship. 
including Utah, where he hits the last second shot. He comes in after the game, and uh, I thought that was the last I was going to see of him uh, playing. But he, he was – I think he enjoyed it because, once again, I want to take you out of the nuts and bolts. Hey, you're a basketball player. It's, it's more of the person that is sitting down, not a thing. And, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully he appreciated that. But Jordan, Jordan would be entertaining – uh, I think just because you can challenge him. And give me a non-athlete you'd love to have on the show. Oh, there's there's way too many. I got. I don't. I don't know if I have a uh, a wish list there. Yeah. Where I'd go. Well, that would be unbelievable. And, and I'm sure you know. Once we're done here, I'll go. You know, I probably had three or four of them that I could have brought up, but. I, it, it comes down to who is going to be a willing participant because you right. can say, Hey boy, wouldn't it be great to have De Niro on? And I go, probably not. Right. Cause I don't think he enjoys the process. Bill Belichick. He, I don't think he would enjoy the process. So therefore you have somebody on, but it's, it would be frustrating. I'd rather right. not have you on than to say I had you on and it, and it wasn't great. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, I guess, you know, there's two, you know, there's some, you have this, such a successful radio show. It's on Peacock now and YouTube. And so you can get, you know, there are those, you know, I guess I'm in this boat cause it's a podcast. I'm on the internet with SI.com. It's like, you know, you want that social media juice of that person saying they were on your podcast or your show. And it, yeah. then, but like you said, then if, but if it's not a good interview, it's just, it's, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Um, you know, it's interesting. Your sh- the radio show, has floated around a little bit the last couple of years. Now you're on Peacock and, and, and YouTube. Is it someone like you who's done it all already? Like, do you get fed up? I don't want to use the word frustrated, that's not the, but like fed up with just like how everything has changed in terms of how people consume their, you know, everyone's listening to stuff on apps, podcasts, they don't listen live, they rewind, you're on YouTube. Yeah. Someone at your stage, you're just like, I don't need this shit anymore. Like, or is it like, you just got to go with the flow, do what's best for business. Or do, I could see if I was in your position, I'd be like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Yeah, but I still <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah. And I, I don't care how you consume it. I'm just glad you do. Right. And I don't go, oh, I'm on Peacock. Okay, I worked at CNN when CNN just started. And people said, why would you go to CNN? And then I got to ESPN in the embryonic stages. And people are like, why don't you, don't, don't, don't you want to do local sports? And so here I am that I went out on my own and, and created a, a simulcast where we had a true simulcast, where I put 11 cameras in here in a basketball court and, and made it a TV show on radio. Mm. Um, so, I, I mean, I pride myself in not being, able, not being afraid to take a chance so now it's with Peacock, and, and I, I love what these streaming services are doing. I, yeah. I just think it's the future here. And to be involved with I just want somebody to be in business who wants to be in business with me. Right. That's it. I couldn't right. care less about, oh, you're not on a network. or I, I'm on 362 radio affiliates, and we play to a couple million people on TV a, a week. So I'm okay with all of that. Yeah. I'm okay. I've had enough publicity. I just hope that if you listen or watch, then you enjoy. That's it. When you were talking about simulcasting, it came in my head out of nowhere. It wasn't something I thought about asking you, but you said it. And it, one of the things we have in common is we are both Howard Stern fans. You, you, I mean, you have an interesting history with the show because I know you, I, you were at the um, birthday party, yeah. which I was at, which was one of the greatest nights of entertainment that ever existed, in my opinion. And then 
you what were you were you at the Tiger Woods beauty pack? You were in studio for a roast or something. What were you in studio Gary, for? Baba Booey. The roast of Baba Booey. Yeah. How was that? I have to know. Well, what was interesting is to see these characters, and I didn't know what Richard and Sal look like. <laughs> um, and Howard had no idea who I was. Robin did, John Hine, you know, Gary did, you know, some of the other guys in the back, JD. But Gary introduces me to Howard and says, um, hey, this is Dan Patrick. He's, uh, he's the Dan Rather of sportscasters. And then I looked at Gary like, okay. <laughs> and then Howard just, you know, just said, hi, you know, uh, glad you uh, are here, whatever, something. And then I just sat there and just, just witnessed uh, Baba Booey being roughed up a little yeah. bit there. And I, a little I, bit is an understatement. But I, what I appreciate with Howard is his ability to take people that you would not be interested in and make them really interesting. It's not his interviews. It's his ability to make JD interesting or Ronnie interesting. Yeah. Um, and I think Robin has really shined, you know, the last couple of years, you know, that she, and I, I think she's wonderful. I just, mm -hmm. I, I, th I think she's a beautiful woman yeah. and she, she shares more than you think she does. And what Fred does as sort of this mad professor, he might be the most valuable person on that show. And I, I he helped, Howard helped me, not, he didn't know he was helping me, but right. it was, how can I make something where I have people that nobody knows about and make them interesting and make it inclusive? And that was really the genesis for trying to do this was what Howard was doing with his guys. So, yeah. So Howard was an inspiration for yes. the Danettes and Cranham. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and his ability to be fearless too. Yeah. He's a very bright and, and he's fearless and he took on some people, you know, he, he took on the FCC, like he was never afraid. And I, I've said before that I don't think there's been a, a more valuable media person across all platforms than Howard Stern in the history of this medium. And you talk about fearless. I mean, you're in the business. I, could, I can't even imagine what your reaction was, but I mean, to leave terrestrial, to go to Sirius which, you know, now Sirius is pretty big and, you know, they're in every car basically. And, um, you know, they do a great job with concerts and everything. But, you know, when he left Terrestrial for Sirius, Sirius was basically nothing. I, that's as, to me, that's as fearless a move as you can make. Well, you want Although the money was, you know, worth it. I, I don't want to act like that's not a factor. No, but his, it, the money wasn't the, he could have been embarrassed. So even if you have all that money, Howard doesn't want to be true. embarrassed. And I right. remember reading an article I think it might have been the New York Times. It was basically, where did Howard Stern go? And I thought, man, you, you got to be on top of this because Howard Stern, this is, this is where it is. And Howard left for more freedom. And I, you know, when people say, why did you leave ESPN? I wanted more freedom. Right. Like it, and, and our careers are not the same. I'm, I'm just saying that ability to be able to, or willingness to go, let me try something. Like, let me do something that's fun and who knows what's going to happen. Cause I could have fallen on my face and, you know, said, boy, whatever happened to that guy, he'd dumb enough to leave ESPN. Rick Riley said it was one of the dumbest moves in, you know, TV history that I left, you know, sports center. He called There's me a lot the that can be said right there, but he, call, he called me the Shelly long <laughs> of sportscasters after Shelly long left the show cheers. cheers and yeah. I was like, but, but at the time, everybody reacted that way. So Howard going to satellite, 
I think he was just basically saying, I'm fed up with listening to people, dealing with this whole archaic system, and I want to do something on my own. And he created it. I mean, pretty incredible. I have so much I want to say about the Rick Riley thing, but I'm just going to move on. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I haven't spoken to Riley in... I don't know if it's been like 15 years and, and we had a great relationship. In fact, yeah. I helped him when he was going to ESPN and gave him some advice. And, uh, you know, yeah, after that, that worked out. Yeah. No, but I don't think so. No, but <laughs> I, I don't know what he's doing now, but I always appreciated our time. You know, when I talked to him, uh, yeah. I always enjoyed him, but, um, yeah, that's, it might I, be 15 I years. Think, well, I don't want to talk about it. Um, okay. Before we we wrap up, since you mentioned ESPN, it's, there's a lot, you know, there's sort of this narrative that like, you know, if you leave ESPN, it's, it's very risky. But I think over the years now, we've seen a lot of people have left and had great success. You, you were sort of the first. I'm curious when other people have left ESPN over the years, do, do you get asked for advice yes. often from those people about how to do it? Yes. And most of the Tell time, them. Jimmy, I advise them to stay. Because the number of people, there have been three sports center anchors who say, who've said, I want to do what you're doing. I'd like to have what you're, you have. And I said, you're not going to get it. Just not going to happen. Like mm-hmm. I was lucky. Uh, I had a guy, Chris Long at DirecTV, who invested in me. Uh, Jimmy DeCastro out of Chicago is the first to have this idea, multi-platform. Um, so I had people who believed in me, but you know, they're not building man caves for people anymore. They're not putting in 11 cameras, you know, right. those kind of things. But I, I, I said to them, if you leave, then call me. Don't, don't, don't say, should I go? You have to make the decision. And if you decide that you want to go, then you call me and I'll help you in any way I can. Right. And I remember when, you know, Rich Eisen had the chance at NFL Network. And I knew that he was not, I mean, he moved up to a certain point, but he wasn't going to be moving up all the way up the food chain. And I said, do it. It's the NFL and their own network. And, you know, Rich has been there for a long, long time. You know, one of the founding fathers there. But, you know, I talked to Scott Van Pelt. Scott was thinking about maybe, you know, going to NBC. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I said, but you have to want to do it. Because if you do, you'll be great. Right. But if you enjoy what you're doing at ESPN, then don't leave. Don't leave because you think you have to leave. I stayed... I stayed three years longer than I should have because I wasn't getting better. I was there 18 years for the first 15. It was great. The last three, I, I just, I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, mentally. I, I just, everybody had left the building. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, I was there. First sports center I did was with Berman. There was Tom Meese. There was Bob Lee. There was Chris Fowler, Mike Tirico, uh, Levy, maybe Levy was there. Then Oberman Charlie came Steiner. in, uh, Linda Cohn, Charlie Steiner, Robin Roberts, Robin Roberts yeah. like we had an unbelievable Stuart Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had an unbelievable group of talent there. And I looked up one day and I'll never forget. I was doing the six o'clock sports center and it just dawned on me during a commercial break. I'm like, I'm the last guy here. Like, and then I thought maybe, maybe I missed out. Like I was loyal to a faulty ESPN, but I was fine with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just didn't realize that the other people were going on to other things. And I, and I was sort of stuck 
in a time machine and I could never replicate what I did with Keith Oberman. I could never come close to that. Um, I could do other things, but I was still searching for that magic on SportsCenter and it was never going to be there again. Yeah. And that, that one hit me and I just remember going, what am I doing here? And it, and it might have been a midlife crisis where you just go, God, I'm like I was turning 50 and I was going to sign a, a, a five-year contract. Wow. And I remember that morning and my wife said, you know, are you sure you want to do it? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she goes, yeah, I know. But, you know, whenever you sign these contracts, they give you more work. And I go, yeah, but I, so I had three girls and I had a, a, an older son. They were nine through 15. And she said, everybody's going to be out of the house by the time you're done. You're going to miss this. And so I drove up to ESPN, pull in, go in second floor, sit down in Norby Williamson's office. And he said, what's it going to be? You going to take it or leave it? And at that moment, I thought of my wife telling me this at the breakfast table that I'm going to miss out especially not being at home with three daughters. It's crazy to me. You walked into that office still not knowing yes or no. I know. You know it's funny I was going to be talked into it. Right. Like I, I was going to be talked into staying. And I knew it wasn't the best place for me to stay, but it was still ESPN. Right. And I, I remember saying, I'm going to leave it. And Norby was surprised, but I said, no, I'm, I'm going to leave it. And I remember I got home and my kids, everybody's at the, you know, at the dinner table. And I, I come in and they're quiet. Everybody's quiet. And then my son goes, is, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I said, it's a great thing. And they started banging on the kitchen table. And it wasn't two weeks later where I regretted my decision because nobody was in the house. Like they say, come home and nobody's right. there. And I go, where right. is everybody? Right. You know, they have their lives, you know, that they're doing. Yeah. And I just remember sitting there on the front porch with the dog and going, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. And my wife said, if we have to sell the house, we'll sell the house. You, you can't make the worst decision or bad decision because you came home to be around your family. Right. I said, okay. And then how soon after that did the radio show come about? And I know you had to deal with SI also. Like- yeah, we were trying to piece all this together. Yeah. And I only had 12 radio stations to start. I was going door to door. And then, you know, there were ESPN affiliates that couldn't take me because ESPN says you can't take your show. Right. And if not for Don Martin at KLAC in Los Angeles, it would have been pretty rough sledding because I said, I will not fail. So he had a, a morning show that had been in there less than a year. And I said, I will not fail you. And he put this show in morning drive in Los Angeles and then all of a sudden, it's a copycat world in radio. And then I just, now we're up to 362 radio affiliates. But it was somebody had to take a chance on me, even with a proven track record. But once you're outside, I don't have those four letters protecting me at ESPN. Right, and that right. was what was humbling. But you know what? I got my ass kicked. But, but I'm glad I did. Because that was the midlife crisis is I, I could just mail this in the rest of my career. Like the crisis was, I was going to do that. And then I got, I got my lunch handed to me. And another crazy thing about the way this business works, you had said you should have left ESPN three years before you did. Yeah. Now, who knows how things turn out if you had done that? You leave when you did, 
radio show. Oh, it's all as, timing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I believe in fate, you know, yeah. that you, you just sort of, I, I was doing it and there was something else out there. I just didn't know what it was, but you know, that cliff, it, it's a, it's a large, that's a, that's Scary. a steep, yeah. steep fall. Yep. Um, yeah. Last thing on this. And then I'll, I'll let you go Matt Harvey on me and, and plug the Amazon Ooh. podcast again. Um, I get the sense from sports fans all the time. Is it odd? They, for some reason, like people want you back at ESPN. It, it almost seems like they don't. I mean, obviously the ultimate dream people want is like the, you know, Dan and Keith reunion, which I, yeah, it seems like that ship has sailed, but you know, you've been on SVP. People get very excited. And is, is it weird to you that people still want you to go back there in some way, shape or form? I mean, well, it's been so long since you've been there. I think there's a, a generation that, they grew up on this and especially, you know, a good 15 year window when we were doing second shift and um, you know, those shows would repeat in the morning on Monday morning. And so it's part of your adolescence or it could be yeah. college. And, and I think people love nostalgia. It's like an old timers game. Yeah. Um, I, I was lucky that I had a partner like Keith because mm -hmm. We balanced each other out. It was exciting. It was interesting. Um, there was drama, but we were doing something, I thought, at a high level. And we were changing the industry while we were doing it. Not did that you that guys was our goal. Did you guys ever battle or fight? No. No. Uh, I, would, I would try to be a voice, a voice of reason sometimes mm. with him. Yeah. Um, but he, you wanted him in, your, in the foxhole. I mean, he fought. If, if he, if he had your back, he had your back. Right. And I, you know, I, I can never recreate that. And that's why I didn't want to go back for the 40th anniversary. Right. And I, I fought, you know, I just said, look, I don't want to do it. And my wife goes, this isn't about you. Right. This is about all the people who watched you. Right. That's right. why I have a smart wife. And yeah. I, cause I was going, if I, if I knew you, if I knew you really well, I would have said, I would say to you, Dan, it's, you got to do it for the fans. But I didn't want to do it <laughs> because there are certain people there who I understand that. held yeah. grudges and did yeah, things. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want them to look good right. with me going back. I got you. And then my wife goes, do it for the fans. Yeah. Like, that's what this is about. And I went in there with such clarity after that. I'm like, hey, let's just, let's just do it. Have fun. And Van Pelt was just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, it's his show. And he just said, look, I'm just trying to get out of the way. And like, it was awkward to do it because people are going, Oh, are you going to be funny? Like, what are you going to do? Catchphrases? And I'm, I'm going, it felt like we were in a fishbowl. Yeah. And I didn't want to disappoint people because right. I'd rather not do it than do it and just say, well, that sure. I, I, I didn't want this reaction. Uh, I don't know what the big deal is here. Cause right. We did it in a, in a vacuum when we did it. And it's just, it was different back then. We didn't have social media. You right. did have to tune in to get on all the highlights. We were very lucky. We couldn't do it now. We would do it differently right. than, than we did back then. Right. Reminds me of the SNL. There was an SN, big SNL anniversary where Eddie Murphy came back yeah. for the first time. And they didn't do anything. He just stood there and people were ready to basically, you know, burn down 30 Rock because I know. He's the greatest cast member of all time, and he just stood there. So, yeah. Well, like, because he can't, you just can't get that again. Like, you think right. you can. I couldn't be that anchor. Right. Um, right. And I, I'm sure Eddie's going, I'm going to be buckwheat, 
You know, you want me to be but, Gumby? Although he though he did it last season, he just won an Emmy for it because yeah, I he know. Was, you know, know. So <laughs> he wasn't ready at that time. That's exactly, what, it's really he just wasn't ready. Yeah. I think he was there for just a uh, you know a curtain call, like you know, just a acknowledgement, yeah. and that was it. And then he picked the right time that he felt comfortable doing it. I, you know, I told Keith, I'll do uh, I'll do the fiftieth anniversary. Right, I'll come back right. and do one more. But I, it, it's way too much work. You know, <laughs> I mean, Sports Center. Now we were doing like two hundred. I did over two thousand sports centers, and it was all you know they're live. Yep. And there's no net, and yep. sports fans are the most knowledgeable fans you can find because everybody thinks they can do it or they know more than you do. And with social media now, right. I would not want right. to go into that. Not not want to go into you. that. No, I don't blame you. Not at all. But you are going into. <laughs> that scene with Dan Here's Patrick. The pitch. Yes. So yeah. like, go, go Matt Harvey on me here. And uh, again, podcast, it's exclusive on Amazon Music. Dan will be interviewing celebrities. Adam Sandler, first episode. Will Ferrell, David Spade, Brian Cranston about iconic scenes in their career. Yes. And uh, it just started the episode with uh, Sandman uh, today. But uh, the uh, episode's available on Amazon Music and uh, Will Ferrell with Old School. David Spade talks about in the car singing songs. Uh, oh, and Tommy Boy. Yes. Oh, that's great. All it is is, I, well, I did two scenes with him because I, I wanted to know who picked the music. If, uh, you know, Chris Farley picked him, like him and Farley in there, the deer scene with the car. So we just spent it probably 20 minutes on that car scene mm. and how great that was. And the other part that I touched on is when, fat guy in a little coat and uh, you know, the, the whole background on that. But uh, Peter Billingsley plays Ralphie in Christmas story talks about getting, you know, his eye shot out with his uh, BB gun and flick with his tongue on the, on the pole there and how they pulled that off. So it, it's a lot of fun. It's 30 minutes or less and a new episode every week. And uh, Amazon music's done a wonderful job. Excellent. Check it out and uh, check out the Dan Patrick Show on Peacock streaming. And uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for coming on, Dan. I really enjoyed the conversation. Appreciate Jimmy, it. thank you. I appreciate and the opportunity. My pleasure. Take care. Take care. All right. My thanks to Dan Patrick for the very, very fascinating conversation. Uh, if you're in sports media, you must have picked something up there because, you know, Dan's a legend in sports media and he, he really had some great advice, great tips great philosophies so uh my thanks to him for sharing that really appreciate it if you missed previous episodes of the si media podcast we had kevin harlan on last week andrew marshan from the new sports media reporter from the new york post two weeks ago brian baumgartner from the office and renee young three weeks ago check those out in the archives if you did not listen to those and uh give the si media podcast a follow if you can a subscription helps tremendously all right again my thanks to dan patrick and uh we'll see you next week right here on the si media podcast take care At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.